0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. So if you were here this morning, it means you probably weren't invited to the royal wedding. Um, but I, have, I don't have grandchildren, so I can't do brag pictures on grandchildren. But I do have good friends that have a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel, which is kind of a British dog. And so they properly attired it for the royal wedding yesterday. Only in America would we do something like that. Anyway, um, yeah, well, Ella enjoyed the royal wedding yesterday. So, um, but isn't it nice to know we didn't even get invited to the royal wedding, but one day we're all invited to the greatest wedding that there's ever going to be, and we'll be feasting at the wedding banquet table all together. That's going to be some table. Um, So let's, um, let's just invite the Lord to open our ears to hear his word this morning. Father, we come before you this morning and we do invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to illuminate our understanding of your word in a deeper way, to challenge us, to inspire us, and to quicken to our hearts what the Spirit of the Lord would say to us personally in this corporate setting. Thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are finishing our series on the DNA of relationships, and I find it interesting that we're ending this series on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday, um, for those of you who might be new to the faith, is kind of the birth date of the church. Um, There were 120 believers gathered together in an upper room, and um, before the Holy Spirit visited them that day, they were just gathered um, in diversity, but they had in common their love of Jesus, and they were worshiping the Lord, and as the Holy Spirit came upon them, they um, actually morphed and became an unstoppable force. In fact, as the Holy Spirit came upon them, they literally became a movement which we call the church. And that was the first day when the church age was really um, born. And on that day, the Bible says that 3,000 people believed the gospel, repented of their sins, and were baptized. That had to be an incredible service, right? Um, and then Acts 2.42 goes on to say, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Fellowship fellowship they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and and to the breaking of bread and prayer so notice how the very beginning of the church there was the union of personal salvation coupled with the fellowship of community together that's what makes up the church it's both salvation and community that individual act of salvation but also the fellowship of the saints together in community there are many people in our culture today that question the importance of the fellowship of believers however the bible makes it very clear that community marks the church dr cloud and townsend Um, Say this, they're a Christian psychologist, very well-known Christian psychologist, and I love their take here on community. Biblical growth is designed to include other people as God's instruments. To be truly biblical as well as truly effective, the growth process must include the body of Christ. Without the body, the process is neither totally biblical or orthodox in the very beginning of the bible we hear god say good he says stars are good moon is good Um, earth is good land is good water is good fish is good man is good and then in genesis chapter 2 verses 18 for the very first time we hear god say something is not good and this is what he says The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper, or some translations say helpmate, who is just right for him. Now the word alone in Hebrew actually means separated and disconnected. So when God says it's not good for man to be alone, yes, he is talking about the benefit of marriage But he's also, he's talking about our position in life. It's not good for us to be separated and disconnected from other people. We may not be married, but we can still be connected in fellowship with other believers. From Genesis to Revelation, the Holy Spirit underscores the importance of community. God set the Israelites into tribes. Jesus had 12 disciples. Jesus then instructed his disciples to go out and do ministry in twos. The followers of Christ were called a family. And even God himself sets himself in community because we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's not an entity just unto himself. So if our Creator made us to be at our best... When we are connected to other people, why do we tend to avoid engaging in community or in deeper community than what we have? I'm going to suggest three I's, individualism, isolation, and independence. Let's talk about individualism first. We live in a world that promotes in the individual over the community. Um, In today's world, our lives can be customized to accommodate all of our tastes, and it can be all about me. Um, Social media allows us to choose who our friends will be, who we're going to unfriend. Twitter allows us to unfollow or to follow someone in a matter of seconds. We can customize products to our to our liking, um, tailor our cars to way, the, just the way we want them. And with research in genetics, we can even customize our dogs. You can create the perfect blend of a Labra Shepherd, Cocker Doodle, Oodle Poodle. You know, it's like you can make it as you can customize everything about your life. I read an article recently um, in the Association for Consumer Research. They had done a study on what makes the most effective advertising in America, the approach. And it said this, the most effective advertising in America is when the importance of the individual is emphasized. And then they gave an example of a very successful Ad, which, of course, was a Starbucks ad. And this is what it, I don't know if you remember this advertising campaign, but it says, create your Starbucks signature with over 87,000 combinations of espresso beverages at Starbucks. You're sure to find your signature. In other words, coffee is all about you and the way you want it and the way you want it made. What was it? Uh, McDonald's had the advertisement. Who was it? it? Said, have it your way, Burger King or somebody. Um, so we see that in our world all the time um, that we are constantly pulled to self to, uh, addiction and individualism but jesus didn't reinforce that jesus told us die to your self right um then the other i isolation the world system encourages isolation over congregation there are lots of techniques that the enemy uses to move us into points of isolation he'll use our hurts misunderstandings our desire to control our environment But I think there are two really big techniques that are used um, in the church. One is the fear of deep relationships. We get concerned that if somebody really looks into our lives and really knows us at a deep heart level, that they'll reject us. They won't like us. That we need to keep things more superficial in order to keep our relationships And when you have that fear of rejection or abandonment, you are going to barricade your heart from getting into community at a deep heart level. And then I think another one today that we really struggle with is technology. Now, I think technology is wonderful for many reasons. Obviously, um, the Word of God can go out all over the globe uninterrupted with technology, and that's great. If you're sick or um, you're, you're isolated for health reasons, medical reasons, uh, you're on vacation and you you want to stay up to date on what the sermon series is, obviously for those reasons technology is very beneficial. But I think that there's a deception that has crept into the church where we think that listening to or watching a sermon online or listening to a podcast, being isolated in our own little private worship experience is equivalent ...to gathering together with the rest of the body of Christ to worship the Lord together. They are not equivalent. You miss out on a dynamic. When you are isolated, when you are watching a sermon, just even the word, I watched the service online. That is an observation position, a position of observing what was going on. When you are in church and you are are engaged in the service participating in the service, a completely different dynamic takes place when the Holy Spirit comes into our midst and begins to minister to people at a personal level. You don't want to miss out. I had a lady at the 930 service came up to me and she said, oh, she said, I have not been in church for months because of my mother's illness, and we could not wait this morning to come and be with our church family because she said you're right it just you can't feast at home like you can in the midst of the of the corporate family so i'll get off my soapbox on that get back here to the podium um, when we are pulled towards isolation we have to remember god said it is not Good. for man to be alone. be alone independence was the third eye The world promotes independence over dependence. We are raised to take comfort in our ability to be self-reliant. In this graduation season that we're in, I was kind of reflecting the other day on my senior year in high school and my senior year in college, and I can remember hearing myself think and even say a lot, I can't wait to be on my own. I can't wait to be making my own decisions. I can't wait to decide how to spend my money the way I want to spend my money. I can't wait to buy my own groceries, pick out my own food in the grocery store. Our society has a constant drumbeat of do it on your own. Um, We hear people say, you don't need others to help you make decisions. You're smart enough to make them on your own you don't need the church to worship god you can worship on your own in fact we have some people who are in our society who are bold enough to say we don't need partners you can make a baby on your own do it on your own however there are 59 verses in the new testament that have the phrase one another in them 59 times now when my mother told me if I have to tell you that again it meant that she was trying to say something really important to me 59 times we're told one another which means we need to be reminded obviously that we need one another that we're not supposed to do life on our own independence is the enemy of tr- transformative community. I think that's why the writer of Hebrews, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 these instructions to us. Let's read this scripture together. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. "...not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, as you see the day approaching." Obviously the Holy Spirit knew that we were prone to forsaking the assembling of ourselves together and so he's exhorting us not to do that. He's forewarning us that there's a cost to doing that. We miss out on the exhortation of of one another. And it was also appear from this scripture that valuing biblical community will become more important to us as the nearing of the return of the Lord draws closer and closer. We need biblical community for a variety of reasons, but I'm going to give you four important ones this morning. First, we need community because it's a place of support and encouragement. Hebrews 25 said, "...exhort or encourage one another." How many of you play golf? We have any golfers in here? Boy, the other service was loaded with them. Okay, so golf is very popular in the Carolinas, and a lot of people like golf because it's a solo sport, right? You hit a beautiful shot, and who gets the credit? I do. Yes, you do. You hit a lousy shot, who gets the blame? My partner. Because she talked to you while you were trying to hit the shot, right? So it's, you know, you get the credit or you get the blame. But those of us who grew up playing uh, sports other than golf, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, whatever it might be, um, we learned that in a team, um, you're better because the team strengthens you. The team can encourage you. Your first baseman having a bad day. You've got a whole bunch of other players that can encourage you, can tell you, can show you what you're doing wrong, how you're swinging the bat wrong, how you're throwing the football wrong, whatever. You know, your bad day gets lifted up by other people. So when we, when we do life in teams, when we do life in groups, we're actually better. Um, recently I experienced the power of community in this area of support and encouragement. Through our life group, I, Walt and I attend a life group that meets the second and fourth Sunday afternoons of each month. And not too long ago, one of the members in our life group got diagnosed with lung cancer and man our group it was just like bees to honey we just flocked I just saw people start uh somebody did a whole calendar of when we were to send cards to the person and her husband and then somebody else is like okay you're assigned these days to pray each week and People were sending research and recipes and advice, and we prayed together, we laid hands on the couple, we cried together. And then a week ago when she got phenomenal news that the brain tumors were gone and the lung tumor had shrunk in half, we rejoiced together and we laughed together and we clapped together and we still smiled together. You know, it's, it's there's a unique encouragement and support that comes ...when you're involved in biblical community. But not only are we better together... ...2 Timothy tells us that we're stronger together. He, Timothy writes in 2 Timothy 2.2... 2, ...a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated... ...but two standing back-to-back back conquer. Three are even better... ...for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken... We are stronger when we are interconnected with each other. Second, we need community because it's a place of accountability and growth. Hebrews 10.24, we read, said, stir up love and good works. Now, in other translations, instead of stir up, S-T-I-R, it says spur, S-P-U-R, spur one another onto love and good works. Now, when I was a child, I thought people who wore spurs on a horse were meanies and cruel. But what I learned was that spurs used properly are actually guidance systems. When you tap a horse on the left with a spur, the horse knows to veer to the left. When you tap it on the right with a spur, it's going to go more to the right. When you tap it with both spurs, the horse knows to just keep going straight on. So the word spur in the Greek, the root word of that word spur means to provoke or compel, to provoke. And aren't, don't you believe that there are many times in our lives when we need people, other people, to provoke us to the right decision? To provoke us or compel us to go in the right direction? I know there have been times in my life where I've been thinking about weighing a decision. And as I've taken it to a group of individuals and run it by them, the proverb says that there's wisdom in the multitude of godly counsel. So when you're, when you're in fellowship with other people and you take that decision to them, I've had many times where people have said, Michelle, that looks right, but I'm telling you from past experience, that's not the best direction to go in. That's not the best decision to make. This may seem easier or quicker, but I'm telling you, waiting and doing it this way, the longer approach is going to be more effective for you. We can gain growth in the counsel of many people, to be in community with each other. The other thing about our growth in fellowship is, and I, I'm going to give you this phrase because I want you to remember it next Sunday when you walk in here. This room is set up in rows. All of you are sitting in a line. You're in rows. Community, though, does not growth. I'm sorry, growth does not happen in rows. Growth happens in circles. You can come and you can hear a 25-minute, 30-minute message. You can sit in a row and you can gain some information and you can begin to uh, gain some insights on something. You might even learn a new scripture, see yourself within the context of a scripture. But that is not transformational growth. Transformational growth doesn't happen in rows. It happens in circles. It's when we encircle ourselves. When we get in a circle, a community of people, and we begin to say, you know what? The Lord just really showed me during that message, yada, yada. And then they say, oh, but you know what? I I got confused about this. And they're like, oh, but the way that I understood that. And you begin to have this dialogue and exchange and you're grazing on biblical principles together and you're kind of eating of the word together, that's when the root system of your spiritual life really gets watered. That's when you begin to have this healthy growth within you. If you are doing life in a circle of people, you will grow exponentially faster than the people who are just in rows. Because transformational growth doesn't happen in rows. It happens in circles. Amen? Amen. That's why at grace, we encourage people to get in groups, whether it's a small group like that meets on for a Bible study. It's the tech group. It's the children's ministry group. It's the worship group because you're there. You're in a circle and you're grazing on the word of God. You're doing you're you're making the Bible practical in your life together and you grow deeper that way. Next, we need community because it's a safe place for sorrow and suffering. In a healthy, safe, non-judgmental community, we can share our story of how God has brought us through storms or is bringing us through a storm. And we can also um, garner uh, wisdom when we hear other people's stories of how God is bringing them through their, stor- uh, through their storm. A friend of mine doesn't live here, so I'm not talking about anybody in the church, but a friend of mine um, several years ago lost her husband suddenly, went to work one morning, came home, he'd had an aneurysm, gone. And um, as she was processing her grief, she found herself slowly becoming more and more isolated. The church that she was attending was about 25, 30-minute drive, Sunday mornings walking in, not with her, companion any longer but having to walk in alone was hard difficult and she just found herself missing a sunday here missing a sunday there doing church online but the next thing she knew she felt like she was kind of in a cave and she'd become isolated and she opened her bible up one morning and this psalm popped out to her psalm 68 6 which says god sets the solitary in families and she realized that if she was going to process her grief in a healthy way, that she had to get, she had to reengage in family, and that was church family, because she was childless, she had no siblings at all, and her parents lived in another country. So it, her family was her church family, but she wasn't going to experience their support and encouragement until she re-engaged in the community of the fellowship with the believers. And when she did that, she found herself entering into another level of of being healed of the grieving process that really wouldn't have been possible if she tried to do it on her own. Grief is best processed in the context of relationship, she discovered. And the last reason that we need community is because it's a safe place for healing and wholeness. There's a popular saying in the church today that isn't completely accurate. We hear people kind of throw around the slogan, Jesus is all I need. And that might sound really spiritual, but it's really not fact. Um, Yes, Jesus is all we need for forgiveness of our sins and for restoration of relationship with the Father and His grace is sufficient. That's true. But we read in Genesis 2 18 that God said, It is not Good. for man to be. A we need people. People need people. And in the family of God, we need each other because God administers His gift of healing and help through the hands of other people. He operates through us. We are instruments of his grace and encouragement and healing to each other. Um, So if we're not in community, we miss what God wants to say to us through the instrument of another person, right? Y'all are processing that, right? Okay. All right. So in the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah is all about a man who realizes that the walls of a city are broken and torn down. That the city, the walls are in a shamble. And Nehemiah goes to the king and he says to the king that he has a heart to repair the walls. Now the word repair um, in Hebrew means to set sure, to fortify, and to make whole so he wanted to take something that was broken and make it whole and what did he do he didn't go and and go build rebuild that wall all by himself you know get a bulldozer and buy a bunch of bricks and start building it up himself no what he did was he called it says the assemblies Of the Israelites in other words he gathered community he brought in the tribes and he assembled them together and when they came together a project that would have taken multiple years only took 52 days so there is power there's a power of healing of wholeness that takes place when we're in community with one another that is very different From the pace of healing that takes place when we're just trying to do it on our own. When we're just seeking God's healing on our own. You will never be brought to the level of wholeness God has for you. Until you are engaged in relationship with the right people. And notice I said right people. You don't want to be engaged with people who are going to pull you back to your old self. We want to be in community with people who are going to motivate us to become the person that God wants us to become, right? So being with the right people is important. So as I close this message this morning, I want to close it by using trees. Trees. I've mean, got two illustrations about trees to kind of reinforce this message on community. First question I have for you, and if you were here in the other service, don't cheat. Um, The first question I have for you is, if you want to sit in the shade in your yard, when is the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. 20 years ago, right? The best time... The best time to get the shade, because you're not going to have it, right, for about 15 to 20 years, depending on the kind of tree that you plant, you're not going to have it for a while. So why do I say that? Because when you need community, you have to already have been engaged in community. When my friend needed people to rally around her in her diagnosis, that wasn't the time for her to start building community. She had a community to rally around her because she'd been participating in community for a couple years. We knew her. We loved her. We were already engaged in she and her husband's life, so it was easy to hit the, hit the flip, flip the switch of support and encouragement. When you need community, you have to have already built community. And the other thing about trees that I want to share with you is aspen trees so i don't know how many of you are familiar with aspen trees they're gorgeous gorgeous trees and um, they're very unique trees they have very strong medicinal um, elements to them animals actually like rub up and down on them because they can be healed from their wounds and if you peel the bark of an aspen tree and put it on a sunburn it um, heals a sunburn but the unique thing about aspen trees is they never grow alone. You'll never find a solo aspen tree because they are trees that inner they find their strength in interlocking their root system. They are interconnected. They feed off of each other, they nourish each other, and the arborists say that the aspen trees even though they're very they look very frail, they're thin Um, even though they look frail, they're actually really strong and durable during storms because they are interw their root systems are interwoven and they're interconnected. What a message from God's creation to the church. We are our strongest, we are our best, we can best withstand the storms of life. When our root system is interconnected, not when we're in superficial relationships with each other, but when we allow each other to be unzipped and really know people for who they are. I was looking at Allison here a minute ago. Allison and I served in Nicaragua a couple of years ago. And before that trip, I had known Allison and her, her, and all of her bubbliness and enthusiasm. But I kind of knew her from afar. I knew her from lobby. I knew her from the row, from the row. But when we were in Nicaragua, we had a couple of uh, long bus journeys and some nights in a supply closet, sorting some things out. And it was in those conversations that we got in a circle. And we began to share things about our lives. And we began to unzip and take the mask off not that we purposely live with a mask, but, you know, those, we began to share some things that were deep in our hearts and questioned some things about faith, and we got to know each other. We didn't know about each other. We began to know each other. And I knew that, I knew she was a sister in Christ from a spiritual perspective, but on that trip, she became my sister in Christ. You get the difference? It's when we encircle ourselves, when we engage in community, that that the transforming power of God begins to nourish us and affect us like those root systems of the aspen trees feeding each other and strengthening each other. So this morning as we close, I actually want the, the worship team... Um, if they would come. I think they're somewhere here. Um, they're going to play for just a minute. And in the very beginning of that Hebrews 10, 24, 25 scripture, it said, let us consider. Let us consider. The word consider means uh, in the Greek, the root word of that of consider means to observe And ponder. So what I want to encourage us to do for just a brief moment is in the presence of the Holy Spirit and in this safe place environment this morning called church. I want us just to ponder before the Lord. What is keeping me from engaging at a deeper level in community? What do I need to do differently, Lord? Just one thing, one step that I need to take to become more engaged in biblical community. What is it? You know, for me, even working on this message, I'm one of those people, I I never traveled in a herd. Like when I was in high school and college, when I graduated from college... I lived on my own. Even at college, I had my own dorm room. I don't know how I drew that lottery ticket, but I did. You know, I, I, was, I was by myself I, for many years, first 10 years of my life. I was an only child. I, I just, I'm comfortable being alone. <laughs> it, it's like okay with me. Um, so I have to intentionally, I have to intentionally engage in community. Now, I've got some other friends. That they've never bought anything in a mall by themselves I mean they've got to have a pack around them no matter what they're doing and that's awesome for them That would just like stick a knife in me and put me out of my misery but some of us in this room are extroverts and this message is like yeah right on getting community you know like why wouldn't anybody want to do that and then there are all of the introverts they're like, can you just please leave me alone on the sofa with my Netflix? You know, like, you don't know what it takes for me to walk in the door of this church every Sunday. And then there's a whole bunch of people that are in between. And God gets that. But whether you're a herder, <laughs> you are part of a herd, or you're somebody who tends to gravitate to, alone, you know, time alone and valuing your alone time, I believe there's something for all of us to learn about better engagement in community. So let's just, let's just take a minute and let the Holy Spirit speak to us about that. What's, Lord, what's one thing you really want to encourage us to do to more effectively experience the blessings and benefits of being in biblical fellowship with others. Father, thank you for speaking to our heart this morning. Lord, I would ask that you would give the grace to exercise the courage to do and to put into action what you just spoke to hearts. Lord, for some you want them to take somebody out to coffee. For others, you want them to go on a walk with someone for others, you would say you've been putting off hosting that community group for too long. It's time to open up the doors of your home, whether the carpet is vacuumed or not. Lord, for others, you might be just saying, take the risk. Risk sharing one thing about yourself. that people don't know risk inviting encouragement and support from others take the risk to let people know that you need them whatever the step is Lord I just pray you would give us the grace to walk out with courage and faith to implement What you've invited us to this morning. And thank you. Thank you for the blessing of community. Thank you for the strength that we get when we assemble together in the unity of Christ. Just thank you for that dynamic, Lord. Thank you that we don't have to go it alone. That it has nothing to do with being married or single, it has to do with the disposition of our heart. We don't have to be separate. We can be interconnected. And we just thank you for that. Thank you for helping us with it. And we give you honor and we give you praise today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.